Hello and welcome back to another episode of Creedle Podcast. It has been almost two full months since I have put anything on this podcast feed. I am still alive, which is great. Uh, and I, I have every intention of going back to regular updates of this feed. And in fact, I have some really exciting programming that I can share with you uh, towards the end of this episode. But uh, no guest today, just wanted to say Merry Christmas, wanted to say I'm sorry for being absent for two full months and give you sort of the reasons for that absence and talk about uh, just some other things that have been in my mind and uh, really throughout 2021 uh, and some things that, that I thought we could just uh, chat about a bit. So um, first of all, why have I been gone for two months? Well, you may notice that the, the backdrop behind me is a little bit different. This room that I'm in is different. This is a new office of mine in my new home. Uh, Sally and I and the kids just last month packed up our old house and moved across the country. Well, not totally across the country, but moved from Colorado to Chicago. And we are now in the Chicago area um, where I have a new job. Um, that all materialized very quickly. And is I think I might have mentioned some of it on previous episodes. I've been working with this company now for three, a little over three months. Um, but, uh, but we made the move uh, just last month. And, um, and so now we're here. We're living in Chicago. Totally different environment. Totally different locale. Very different city. Sally's from the Chicago suburbs. And actually, we, we moved into a town very, very close to her parents, um, which is really great and has been awesome to be close to them. Um, so we're excited about that part of the move. But the move itself was just crazy. And uh, that's the first thing that, that I was going to mention today is that moving is hard. And moving is doubly hard when you have a family. Uh, especially when that family is fairly large. I mean, I feel like four kids, I mean, sure, by, by, some, uh, by some metrics, there are, you know, there are Catholic families that have 10 children. And so comparatively, we're a small family, but it feels pretty large when we're trying to get everyone, uh, everyone moved. Um, but we're here, we made it. Um, my company that I'm working for is called Hallow. And you've probably heard about Hallow if you're listening to this podcast, because Hallow is a Catholic app. It's actually the, num the number one Catholic app in the world. And I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but uh, but Allo's doing really good work. And if I didn't think that was the case, I wouldn't be working for them. Um, but they brought me on board a few months ago to do a uh, new language expansion. Right now, Hallo is in two languages. That's English and uh, as of the beginning of this month, Spanish. Uh, and we're we're adding more and more to that, uh, you know, almost month by month. But the the roadmap for 2022 includes a lot of new languages for launching and that's my portfolio. That's what I'm responsible for doing. Um, and it's been really, really fun to plug in and be a part of the team and build something great, build something that is helping people pray more. Uh, and the testimonials we get from people um, testifying to that effect are really, really encouraging and just make it a thrilling thing to be a part of. You may remember, if you're interested in Halo, you may remember that uh, in June I had Alex Jones, who's the CEO of Halo, on my podcast just to talk about what it's like to, to run a Catholic startup, to run a Catholic business, to... Um, to run a public benefit corporation, which is, you know, he's, he has structured Hallow that way, which is different from your normal C Corp, where your only fiduciary duty as CEO is to maximize shareholder value. Um, so Hallow is different in that regard as well. Uh, and that's an interesting conversation. You may want to go back and listen to it. I think it was June 5th, early June of this past year, 2021. Um, but so that's where we are now. Um, how this happened is kind of a crazy story, but I'll just give you the Cliff Notes version of it. Is it Cliff Notes or Cliff Notes? Anyway. The short version of this story is that I had been working at a company called Deloitte, which uh, De Deloitte does a lot of things, including like tax and accounting and audit and risk advisory, risk advisory. But I was in their management consulting practice 
uh, and I uh, had been working for Deloitte for a couple of years and was on paternity leave and really just was thinking, hey, I think a change might be in order. So I started applying for jobs. I had uh, what I thought was a promising uh, option at a big tech firm, um, and that would have entailed a move to Michigan. And I was preparing to accept that offer. Um, and then out of the blue, got this email from Hallow, just an email that they blasted to all of their users that said, hey, we're hiring. And so Sally and I looked at each other and thought, this is actually potentially a really interesting option. We should look into this. How rewarding would it be to help people pray more every day and take that mission around the world? So uh, I ended up emailing Alex because I knew him from our podcast discussion and said, hey, Alex, I, I have this offer from this tech firm. Would love to work for you guys, though. Instead, let's talk. And Alex said, yeah, let's do it. And basically a week later, um, had an had an offer from Hallow and they were great and worked worked with my very fast timeline because I had this existing offer and that was going to expire at a certain point. So they needed to get me an offer. So very, very kind of them to do that. And they expedited it all along. And we ended up uh, we ended up going there and there were lots of lots of little things along the way that led sally and i to see and to believe that this is the this was the holy spirit's prompting that this is where i was supposed to be um not least of which was just realizing and thinking through this more you know i didn't have an abiding piece about the tech firm offer um you know compensation at big tech uh is super good but uh there are there are a lot of things that big tech does that are antithetical to the things that i believe uh, and i'm not talking about obvious um ethical issues, although there certainly are those, um, they abound at the tech firms. The role that I was going to be in was not, I don't think, no, it was not one of those that had obvious, um, obvious ethical issues associated with it. But still, you'd be part of a company that is involved in practices that are obviously wrong. And then I think more so, it's just, it's, it's perpetuating this like always on, always connected, always automated, uh, desocialized world that you know, the, the metaverse to use the language of Mark Zuckerberg. And I just don't want to be a part of that mission. I don't want to support that. Um, so basically just took a little bit of discernment for, for me to realize that. And that was part of the discernment towards Hallow. So I ended up accepting the Hallow offer and never looked back. Um, so I'm at Hallow now and, uh, we are now living in Chicago. We're settled in. I've got, we've got kind of the studio set up here in the new office. Although my icon of St. Joseph is not hanging up behind me yet I have some other art that I want to get up as well. And then I have this, um, this really cool uh, painting called Nighthawks that you've probably seen before. It's, uh, it's, it, it would probably be familiar. That normally hangs over my uh, desk right here. That is also not up. I have no pictures hung in my office yet, but I will. Uh, but it's Nighthawks by Edward Hopper if you want to check that out. It's a good painting. Um, but so yeah, that's why I've been absent. That's what we've been up to. Now let's talk about a couple of other things. So one spiritual image that I want to share with you that's been on my heart for several months since I first heard it and it came from a surprising source. I was on the internet four months ago. I think it was Twitter. And uh, that's, a, that's a website that I really frequent less and less and less. And I deleted it off my phone. And I don't even, I don't even know my password to Twitter. So I can't even get to it from my computer um, without like digging through and doing the reset password and everything. So I don't really go on Twitter anymore. But four months ago, I was on Twitter. And I saw that someone was saying, and this, was all, this is all sort of in jest. And I don't, I don't even know if this person was a Christian who was saying it because they were trying, I think they were a comedian just trying to be funny. And they'd said that they had talked to God and said, God, why do you always give me your toughest crosses? And which I think is a, is a, is something that most of us can sympathize with, right? Um, to each of us, God gives us our battles and they feel really, really hard. So this person had said, God, why do you always give me your toughest battles? And God says, these are not my toughest battles. You are my weakest foot soldier. And I give you the battles that you can handle. And 
Uh, it's pithy and it's funny and it made people laugh and it got a lot of likes. Um, but I have been thinking about that over and over in my mind ever since then, because it's so true. It's so true. I read these stories of the saints who endure massive persecutions and who are born blind or who have limbs cut off for the sake of the gospel or who suffer and die at a really early age from, uh, you know, horrific, uh, painful type of cancer or, uh, some other malady. And I just look at my own life and think, wow, my problems are nothing compared to the problems that this person went through. And yet in the moment, the things that I'm dealing with in that moment, you know, even if it's, Hey, this is really hard to move across the country. You know, why, why we have to do this or, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a sacrifice to do this thing that I feel called to do, or it's a, it's a sacrifice to put up with this discomfort and this pain, um, from whatever, whatever the sort of flavor of the day is, uh, that cross feels really, really big to me. Uh, and I sometimes ask, you know, why can't it be easier? And then I think it's, it's, it's not easier because this cross is custom made for me. This is a cross that I am equipped to carry. And if I were a stronger person, uh, if I were able to carry more then I would be given a tougher cross and then that cross would feel just as tough. Um, and so this idea that we all have custom fitted crosses exactly for us, that God does not give us more than we can handle, but that God is with us all along has been a really uh, comforting truth for me, um, all year, ever since I, ever since I discovered that. So I wanted to share that with you as something uh, that maybe you'll find a uh, delight in as well. Um, on a similar note, uh, we should have joy through all of our crosses, and uh, I'm about to release a sermon by St. Leo the Great on this podcast feed that you can listen to as well. It's a sermon on the occasion of the Nativity, so St. Leo the Great's famous Christmas homily. I recorded it and had a few other reflections on there as well, so take a listen to that when you finish listening to this. You might enjoy it. A couple of other things I wanted to share with you, just uh, been looking at my 2021 in review and thinking about some really amazing things that happened this year or interesting ideas that I encountered or good books that I read and wanted to share a few of those with you. One of those, this is one of my all-time favorite books now. It's called A Theology of Grace and Six Controversies by Edward Oaks. Uh, Oaks was a Jesuit and actually the dissertation advisor of my friend Larry Chap, who you'll, you'll, a name you'll know and recognize from this podcast. And actually, uh, Larry gets, I, I sent Larry a, a screenshot of this or, or a, a, a picture of this because he gets a, um, he gets a footnote shout out, uh, I think a couple times, but at least once. And I sent Larry a picture and he was like, oh, I didn't know I was, didn't know I was in there, but this book is amazing. Um, so it's exactly what it sounds like. It goes through six controversies and those six controversies are nature and grace, sin and justification, evolution and original sin, free will and predestination, experience and divinization and Mary, the Mediatrix of Graces. Uh, it, this book received its imp, imp, imprimatur from Francis Cardinal George, a good guy, uh, and Bishop Barron writes the foreword to this edition specifically, but really, really helpful, especially for me as a Catholic convert and as someone who has many, many family members who are really steeped in the Reformed tradition. The, the controversies that I just read, especially Nature and Grace and Sin and Justification and Free Will and Predestination, those are some of the, the most central debates between uh, those two camps, if you will. Um, and this book was really, really helpful for me in, in understanding in understanding um, why the church thinks the way she does on those topics, uh, also how the Reformation went astray on those topics. And then most importantly, I think, what a, what a solution might look like uh, coming back. And as a, as a good example of that, in the Nature and Grace chapter, 
Father Oaks uh, talks about this 19th century German priest named um, Father Matthias Schieben. Uh, one of his books is actually now, thanks to Father Oaks, is now on my uh, bookshelf behind me. Um, I think it's called the the Experience of Divine Grace is the book that I have, or the the Mercies of Divine Grace, something like that. Um, but Father Oaks suggests that Schieben is kind of the way out of the nature grace argument, uh, and he quotes. Andrew Swafford, now of Benedictine College, who apparently did his dissertation on the, the nature-grace debate, and specifically on Sheban. Um, so really, really interesting uh, examination. And what I admire most, I think, in that book is Father Oaks's intellectual honesty and candor and rigor in exploring all the sides of those debates. And obviously, he's Catholic. He is he's 100% faithful to the magisterium of the church, um, but he calls it like it is, and, and, and is um, it's a very good read. So I highly recommend that one if you have any interest in those types of debates. If, on the other hand, you have an interest in the church's Eucharistic theology, or in addition, have an interest in the Eucharistic theology of the church, you should check out Bread from Heaven. This is also unconfirmed that I will be interviewing Bernard Blankenhorn, uh, OP, but this is a review copy uh, that the publisher gave me for the express purpose of interviewing Father Blankenhorn, so that is something I hope to do very, very soon. Uh, But this book is also fascinating. this is, and they're, they're both written at a pretty uh, intellectually heady level, so I don't pretend to, to understand everything in them, but, uh, but they're both very good. And this one in particular was really excellent for me in, um, in dispelling the sort of annihilation accusations um, that some of, the, some of the reformers levied at uh, the Eucharistic Theology of the Catholic Church. So um, a very good book there as well that I'd highly recommend. Um, and uh, those are just those, those are just two of my 2021 recommendations. Uh, I have a lot more. I've still been enjoying my my fiction reads, uh, reading the the Harry Bosch mystery series and going through that the second time. Always love a good a good fiction yarn. Uh, but those are those are a few things I wanted to mention to you in case you have an interest in some of those. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention is this is pretty exciting news for me and for us for my family here. We are go- we are attending a Byzantine Catholic church here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, it's in the south suburbs. Uh, it is called Annunciation of the Mother of God, Byzantine Catholic Church. Uh, and this was, we'd never been to a divine liturgy of one of the Eastern churches until about a month ago. When we got into town, the first Sunday that we were here, we thought, hey, let's try it. We got to go. We've always heard these liturgies are beautiful. And man, let me tell you, we fell in love with this. This is, uh, it was just such, such a rich experience going there. There are no musical instruments in a divine liturgy, at least in this divine liturgy, I think in, in most divine liturgies. Uh, and it is all chant. It is entirely, almost entirely sung. Uh, it is absolutely beautiful. And the iconography in this church will just blow you away. I mean, every square inch of the walls and ceiling are covered with religious icons. Uh, and so my kids, you know, when we first got in there, were just looking at the ceilings, marveling at, at everything that was around us. And it was really, just really, really, really remarkable. It, uh, and it's a small, you know, rather unassuming church, but just what they can do with the religious iconography makes me just think there are so many missed opportunities at, uh, at, at, at a lot of our sort of 1950s, 60s, and 70s constructed churches. And even since then, I mean, um, we, uh, yeah, so we've really been enjoying that. But the, the very intentional use of the space reminds me of the great cathedrals in the Latin rite because every, every, every part of that architecture, every part points to something about God and in the same way, every single icon points to something about God uh, in the Eastern Church. And so, uh, so anyway, that's just been really, really fun for us to, um, to be able to dive into a different rite. Uh, I don't know yet if we're going to 
switch rights um, uh, officially. But for right now, we really are are loving and being a part of that parish community and being able to attend divine liturgies there, uh, and are are really enjoying it. Um, and it, this is this has been an occasion for me to dive more into the the uh, the literature of the East as well, and just understand more about how the the Eastern churches think about theology uh, and apophatic theology. I think I've mentioned before, there's a great podcast called What God Is Not that is uh, hosted by uh, Father Michael O'Loughlin and uh, Mother Mother Natalia, uh, I don't remember her last name, but Mother Natalia from the um, Christ the Bridegroom Monastery in Ohio. Um, they're both Byzantine Catholics and uh, of the Ruthenian, right? And, uh, and dive in depth into Eastern theology. And it's just a really fascinating podcast and I've enjoyed that. So check that out if you're interested. And I encourage you for sure, if you haven't been to a divine liturgy, find one near you and go check it out because it is a, it is a really remarkable experience. And for us, it has hooked us and we are, we're absolutely loving it. Um, so I wanted to mention that as well. That's pretty cool. And then the final thing, this is a recommendation maybe for you for 2022 is to go through the Bible in a year podcast with father Mike Schmitz. Sally and I are just finishing the Bible in a year for 2021. Uh, and it's been, it's been great. It's been really, really good. Uh, we go through pretty much chron- chronologically with some exceptions, but pretty much chronologically from uh, Genesis all the way through Revelation. And the nice thing about it is Jeff Cavins at Ascension Press um, has developed the Great Adventure Bible Study Program, which breaks up the history of Scripture the narrative of scripture, or we might, we might call it the meta narrative of salvation history, into distinct phases of salvation history, starting with the early world and Genesis, and then proceeding into the patriarchs. Let me actually pull up all the phases and I'll read them for you right now. So, the early world in Genesis, the patriarchs, which is basically the rest of Genesis, Egypt and Exodus, which is ex- just, just the book of Exodus, the desert wanderings, which is um, actually, I'm sorry, the uh, Egypt and the Exodus is Exodus and Leviticus. The Desert Wanderings, which is Numbers and Deuteronomy. The Conquest and Judges, which is Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and par- part of 1 Samuel. And then the Royal Kingdom, 1st and 2nd Samuel, and part of 1st Kings. And then the Divided Kingdom, when the, 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 the uh, kingdom actually splits into the Northern and Southern Kingdoms. Uh, that's first, the rest of 1st Kings, 2nd Kings, and well, part of second king most of second kings and then the exile period which is second kings and isaiah and jeremiah and then the return ezra nehemiah esther zechariah malachi a lot of the prophets then the maccabean revolt first and second maccabees and we read sirach and wisdom so some of the wisdom literature alongside with that and then the church and then throughout uh, i forgot to mention throughout we have these messianic checkpoints where we read the the gospels but then in the, the church we read acts and then the rest of the new testament and it's just a super super um insightful uh way to read scripture and to understand what god is doing in all of salvation history to understand the church as the new israel to understand that all of uh all of the old testament is jesus is god showing us who we are um, and what our identity is in him and how much he loves us. And so I highly recommend the podcast. It's been really, it's been great. So Sally and I have been reading it aloud with each other every night rather than listening to the podcast. And then Sally's been better at this than I have. But um, the nice thing is then you can listen to the commentary from Father Mike and Jeff Cavins in some instances, uh, commentary on the passages for that day. So it's been probably about 15, 20 minutes of reading per day. 
And then if you want to listen to the commentary, another 15, 20 minutes. So not a huge time commitment, but really, really valuable, especially if you want to really dive into scripture and get a good understanding of what's going on. Maybe you've already read the Bible through and that's great. Uh, there's no reason you can't do it again. And uh, I think Father Mike and Jeff Cavins do a great job at, at unlocking scripture for us and helping us understand more of what's going on there. They're doing it again next year. I don't, it's not clear to me if they're just replaying the same episodes that Father Mike has done or if, um, or if they're going to do, you know, whole new re-records, but they're doing it again. I know that. Um, so check out the Bible in your podcast. If you're a Spanish speaker or a native Spanish speaker, prefer to do it in Spanish. Um, I also happen to know that they're doing a Spanish Bible in the year. So you should definitely do that. And I know that because well, it was public, um, but I also know that we've, we've dealt with them because at Hallow, we are doing, um, you can get the, the Bible in a year program through Hallow as well on the app. Uh, and we're doing the Spanish one in the Spanish version of the app, which we just launched earlier this month. So that's the, I think the final thing I'd recommend to you from, um, from my 2021. Uh, it's been great Bible in a year. Um, and then, yeah, check out, check out Hallow as well. The, uh, the company that now employs me, uh, I think we're doing good work. You know, it's, it's interesting. There are certainly, um, there are, there are lots of important things to think about when, when figuring out how can we, how can we, you know, redeem our smartphone and make sure that our smartphone is drawing us closer to God and not pulling us further away. That's a really important question. Um, you know, there are, there are some who think that technology is great and can only do good things, or at least that's sort of, they might not say that, but that's sort of how we often think about theology or, or uh, technology. And then there are others who I think are just like technology is always bad. Uh, I tend towards the latter view if I err in one direction or the other. Um, but I think the truth is somewhere in between that uh, that technology is a tool and as a tool, it can be used for good or for ill. And so part of what Hal is doing is recognizing that, hey, everyone in the world, well, not everyone in the world, most people in the developed world uh, have, a, have a smartphone in their pockets. Let's use that. Let's, let's, let's create an opportunity for those people to draw closer to Jesus through that smartphone in their pockets. Let's, let's use that smartphone to, um, to open up intentional windows of uninterrupted time of prayer with God. And let's use that time to teach people about the faith. Let's get some catechetical material on there. Let's do all different kinds of reflections and meditations. Let's, you know, the, the rosary obviously is on there, the Divine Mercy Chaplet. At this point, we have over 3,000 um, different uh, guided prayer sessions on the Hallow app and, uh, and growing every day. Um, so that's our thinking on the Hallow app, and, uh, and I'm excited to be a part of that. So check out the Hallow app if you haven't already, um, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Um, Anyway, I will wrap this up there. Thanks so much for humoring me uh, for this conversation. Thanks for patiently not deleting this podcast feed from your list of podcast feeds. Uh, I will be back more. I want to give you a brief preview of what we have uh, coming up. Um, Casey Chalk, where's his book? Okay, I'm not sure where his book is, but Casey Chalk has a new book on um, persecuted Christians that he'll be coming on the show to talk about with me very soon. Um, Larry Chapp will be joining again, obviously for our monthly conversations, those took a pause, but he'll be coming back. And, you know, Larry, Larry's been, a, his, his star has risen quickly. Larry's uh, doing the podcast circuit everywhere now, it seems. And it's great. I'm so happy for him. He has so many good things to say about the church and lots of good things to teach us, but I'm glad that we have our continuing monthly partnership and I can count on him to, to come on and talk about George Bernanos or, you know, Traditionis Custodius or whatever else is going on in the church. So uh, that's a great friendship that has borne much fruit and I'm excited to have to have Larry back on. We've also got a couple of priests from the Hillbilly Thomas coming on. I think I'm going to have some of the Sisters of Life on as well, talk about religious life and um, and the, the charisms of their orders in particular and discerning vocations and all of that. So 
Um, so definitely some cool, interesting conversations coming up. I think Paul McCusker is going to come back on to talk about his last latest book, which is on, uh, it's on death and the last things, but Paul's a, um, Paul's a, he's a good friend of mine, obviously uh, he's been on the podcast before you may remember him. It's been, I think a year or so. Um, but Paul, like me is a convert from Anglicanism. Um, just a prolific writer. It's amazing what he can churn out, um, shaped my childhood a lot through his adventures in Odyssey series. Um, but now is doing similar work at the Augustine Institute, um, and is, is thinking a lot about things that Catholics don't like to think about that people don't like to think about like death and dying. And so, uh, so Paul is going to come on to talk about some of those things. So lots of good conversations coming up. That's just a, a teaser of some of the things that are around the corner, but I'm excited to dive in, uh, in January, 2022. Um, haven't really mentioned the liturgical season in which we're in right now, but I hope you had a great advent. Um, we've been enjoying the O antiphons as a family. Um, as we count down to Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve, Eve, I guess the 23rd, as I'm recording this today is the day of the last O antiphon. So we've done that. Uh, and then just super excited for Christmas around the corner. We, I think I've mentioned this before. We try to, in fact, we did a liturgical, liturgical living podcast, uh, a year ago. I think Sally came on, we try our best to, you know, limit the sort of Christmas, Christmas celebrations in Advent and really live intentionally, penitentially, uh, penitentially, uh, you know, take on some sacrifices if we can, you know, kind of a mini Lent. It's like practice for Lent, uh, all pointing us to, you know, as we prepare the way for the coming of Christ. And then we really, we really go, go hard on the celebrations uh, once Christmas comes. So we're super excited now that Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, and I hope that you are too. I hope you've had a blessed Advent and I wish you a very Merry Christmas. And I'll talk to you in the new year. In the meantime, you can enjoy the St. Leo the Great Christmas homily that I mentioned on the podcast feed right after this one. Until next time, God bless you.